TAPS, the accounting podcast series. I'm Albie Brooks and working with me is Abby Trelaw. Our guest today is Professor Mary Bath. Mary is Professor Emerita at the Graduate School of Business at Stanford University, having started there in 1995. Previously, Mary was at Harvard University. Mary is currently visiting here at Melbourne for a couple of weeks, teaching into the PhD program and running some seminars. Broadly speaking, Mary's research focuses on financial accounting and reporting issues, with a particular emphasis on topics of interest to accounting standard setters. Mary has one of the most distinguished academic careers imaginable. Very briefly, Mary's academic publications stretch across all the major accounting journals. She was an inaugural member of the International Accounting Standards Board, president of the American Accounting Association 2013 to 14, the recipient of numerous awards, including the Accounting Hall of Fame, American Accounting Association 2018, Outstanding Accounting Educator Award, American Accounting Association 2017, and Notable Contributions to Accounting Liter- Literature Award, American Accounting Association and the American Institute of CPAs in 2012. Today we're going to hear from Mary about some of the key developments in financial accounting and standard setting, take a look at a couple of recent pieces of work Mary has been involved with, and finally, look into the crystal ball and see what's ahead for financial accounting. Welcome to TAPS, Mary. Thank you, Ali. Well, question is where to begin. But let's get started. When you reflect on such a distinguished career in terms of research publications, which ones stand out most for you? Perhaps you'd like to comment on a couple of these. Well, you start with not a pretty difficult question because research papers are like each one of your children. You're asking me to pick my favorite. But as you mentioned, my particular interest is in research addressing standard setting issues. So those are the ones that stand out most to me. Let me comment on two of them that have been recognized with research awards, which suggest they probably stand out for other people, too. The first is a paper that you mentioned, International Accounting Standards and Audit Quality, with Wayne Landsman and Mark Lang in Journal of Accounting Research 20, 2008. The question we address in that paper is whether the change to international accounting standards, or IFRS as it later became, from domestic standards increased financial reporting quality. Widespread application of IFRS is one of the biggest changes in financial reporting history. The question is whether this change enhanced the quality of financial reporting. Our sample in that study comprises firms from 21 countries from 1994 to 2003, so that means that those firms that are applying IFRS did so voluntarily. Using metrics from prior research, we find that after adoption of IFRS, firms have less earnings management, more timely loss recognition, and more value relevance of accounting amounts. All of these are indicate higher quality. These differences were not apparent before the firms adopted IFRS, but the firms that adopt IFRS experience an increase in these metrics. As you mentioned, th- this is the paper that received the Notable Contributions to Accounting Literature Award in 2012. The other paper that stands out for me is Fair Value Accounting for Liabilities Known Credit Risk with Leslie Hodder and Steve Steuben. It's in the Accounting Review in tw- 2008. The question we address in that study is whether decreases in liabilities fair value arising from increases in credit risk represent income to equity holders, and vice versa. Recognizing income when a firm is suffering economic difficulties seems to be counterintuitive to some, but it is predicted from finance theory. We find that equity returns associated with credit risk changes are attenuated by the debt value effect of the credit risk change, as finance theory predicts. That is, after controlling for asset value changes, credit risk increases are associated with equity value increases and vice versa. This arises because debt holders share in the firm's fortunes or misfortunes along with the equity holders. 
Without recognizing the potentially offsetting effect of credit risk changes on debt values, the income effect, which inures to the equity holders, is overstated. We also provide some descriptive evidence that if unrecognized debt value changes were recognized in income, but not unrecognized asset value changes, most of the credit downgrade firms would recognize higher income and vice versa. Fair enough. But these potentially counterintuitive income effects primarily are attributable to incomplete recognition of asset value changes, not because of the debt value change. This paper received the AAA Deloitte Wildman Medal Award in 2009 for the paper published in the last five years that's most likely to affect the practice of accounting. Whether it did or not, we don't really know. <laughs> but that's a really nice thing to achieve, isn't it? Because in the end, we want to be able to impact practice. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's what we're trying to do is help everybody learn more about accounting and effects on capital markets. Okay. Excellent. Uh, I realize the difficulty in asking you to pick out just a couple of papers to reflect on, but really appreciate you um, picking out those in particular. We spoke with Naomi Soderstrom recently regarding accounting, the environment, and sustainability issues. You co-authored a recent study investigating integrated reporting quality and firm value. It seemed to me, from my reading of this, that there seemed to be some encouraging results for the proponents of integrated reporting. Perhaps you could share with us how the study was conducted and perhaps a bit about the findings. Sure. I think the paper you're talking about is Economic Consequences Associated with in- Integrated Report Quality, Capital Market and Real Effects, which is joint work with Stephen Cahan and Lily Chen at the University of Auckland and Elmar Venter at the University of Pretoria, published in uh, AOS, Accounting Organizations and Society, in 2017. So how we conducted the study, we this has been a challenge for people trying to understand integrated reporting. But we take advantage of two facts. One is integrated reporting based on the International Integrated Financial Reporting Council's framework is mandatory for South African firms that list on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange with a primary listing. And the second thing is that EY has commissioned professors from the University of Cape Town to evaluate the quality of these reports against the framework criteria for several years in conjunction with EY's annual Excellence in Integrated Reporting Award. So EY graciously shared the report quality evaluation data with us, which gave us an independent and in-depth quality metric to use in our study instead of having to figure out the quality of these reports on our own. As for the findings, the International Integrated Reporting Council's framework identifies two goals for integrated reporting. The first is improved information for outsized providers of financial capital, and the second is better internal decision-making. So we extend prior research that also finds a positive association between integrated report quality and firm value by examining two channels through which this could arise. One is a capital market channel and the other is a real effects channel. To conduct these tests, we disaggregate firm value into three components, liquidity, cost of capital, and expected future cash flows. We find a positive association between integrated report quality and liquidity, which supports the capital markets channel. We find no evidence of a relation between integrated report quality and cost of capital. We also find a positive association between integrated report quality and expected future cash flows. Because this association could reflect better investor cash flow forecasts, so it's higher cash flow forecasts, which is a capital market effect, or better internal decisions, that is a real effect relating to higher real cash flows, 
we try to distinguish these explanations. We find that higher integrated report quality is associated with higher realized operating cash flows, but not associated with greater analyst target price forecast accuracy. So we also find that higher integrated report quality is associated with higher investment efficiency. These findings support the real effects channel. So taken together, we interpret our findings as being consistent with the, the goal of integrated reporting, achieving a dual objective of improved external information for outside providers of capital and better internal decision making that ends up being reflected in higher future cash flows and, and greater investment efficiency. So I guess in that respect, if you're a proponent of integrated reporting, I think you'd interpret our study in a positive light. Mm, I think it's a good thing for organizations looking at um, pursuing integrated reporting or enhancing the quality of their integrated reports. Um, South Africa have, of course, been doing this now for some time. Um, do you think we're going to see more adoption of integrated reporting? I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, I, I actually think it's a promising area, which when we talk about the crystal ball for the future, mm. it's a promising area. It may not be the answer. No. And exactly how to go about it, I don't know. Mm. I know that in, in the United States, people worry about volunteering too much yes. for fear of legal ramifications or whatever. So until it's mandated, I'm not sure we'll see much take up in the United States. Mm-hmm. Other countries, I'm not really sure. I think mm-hmm. the uh, it's more prevalent in Europe than it is in some other places. Mm-hmm. But how the future unfolds is difficult to, to tell. Know. Yeah. But I think organizations are certainly, some organizations at least, are trying to do more in the space, um, whether that's in their reporting or Ideally, it's also in their activities associated with their reporting. Thank you for that. So I think, yeah, we might come back to that during the crystal balls phase. (laughs) Um, In 2015, you wrote a commentary on the state relating to adoption and use of IFRS, which you've referred to in these couple of earlier papers, the International Financial Reporting Standards. You came up with some conclusions at that time so I'm wondering what those conclusions were, if you'd like to share the, those with us, and then has anything altered in the years since you wrote the commentary? Well, this in this commentary, um, Prospects for Global Financial Reporting, that was in accounting perspectives, I think I observed that even though by 2015 many countries had required or permitted the use of IFRS by firms listed in their capital markets, the global shift to IFRS and really high quality financial reporting was incomplete. Both in terms of the required or permitted use of IFRS, it wasn't universal, and in terms of the varied application and enforcement of the standards around the world. And of course, you look at the International Accounting Standards Board agenda and they always seem to have more things on their agenda. (laughs) So they have a list of things that they want to improve to make the financial reporting even higher quality than it is. So at that time, the, the conclusion was the goal of truly global high-quality financial reporting had not yet been achieved. I think that ultimate conclusion is exactly where we are today, hasn't quite yet been achieved. But since, since I wrote that, I think there's been progress on a couple of dimensions. One, I think there's been progress on improving the standards. We have new standards on revenue, leases, financial instruments, insurance. These are some big topics that pervade lots of firms, and I presume, I hope, the plan is that they're going to improve financial reporting. We'll see how things go. They should, but we'll see. And I also think progress has been made on the more consistent application and enforcement of the standards 
as firms and regulators across the world gain more experience in using IFRS and then sharing those experiences with each other. Of course, there's still more that can be done on both those dimensions, but I think we've made progress. The one place that progress seems to have stalled is on the, the more countries adopting IFRS dimension, in particular the United States, which is close to my, well, is my home. It's not close to home, it is my home. Although I believe the United States supports the notion of high-quality, consistent global financial reporting, it's unclear how exactly they want to achieve that goal. There had been an con active convergence project between the Financial mm -hmm. Accounting Standards Board of the U.S. and the International Accounting Standards Board, not only convergent, but also jointly dealing with financial standard-setting issues and, and issuing joint standards. The revenue standard is, is a joint standard. Mm -hmm. The leasing standard is close, <laughs> but not quite. <laughs> sure, a standard, I don't think the U.S. is even, uh, I don't know where they are on that, but but the currently there are no active joint projects between the FASB and the ISB, and frankly there isn't any momentum for the U.S. to, to adopt IFRS, but this is, a, this is a decision that is made above my pay grade, <laughs> as they say, and so time will tell how this, mm -hmm. how this plays out. Okay. So perhaps link to that. Looking ahead for financial accounting and standard setting, you've made some references to that in some responses already. What do you see as the big challenges? I, I think I think one of the big challenges, and perhaps the biggest challenge, is figuring out what information outside providers of capital need to make their economic decision in today's world of a service and technology-based economy with an abundance, an overabundance of information that is available outside of financial reports. Mm -hmm. Used to be financial reports were the main source of information about firms and manufacturing was the big, the bulk of the economy and we learned how to account for that, those things very well. But we live, in a different, we live in a different world now and the question is how financial reporting or reporting mm -hmm. is the accountants are going to help do something with all this information, make sense out of it, summarize it, aggregate it, that's what we do. But the information that investors need in these types of companies because the, the economy is evolving and the information mm -hmm. environment is evolving and I think the biggest challenge for the accountants is to keep up with that. And that's where I was thinking about integrated reporting. It's, it's one step beyond financial mm -hmm. reporting to encompass many other things, the integrated bit of it. So that's, I think that's a promising step, and that's kind of one step in this, this direction that I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. And linked to this, of course, is the educational aspect of the work that we do. Um, in this changing world that you've referred to, what do you think are the key attributes of an accounting graduate in order to meet the needs of both organisations and this environment that we all find ourselves in? Well, I think this isn't new, but maybe more focus on it now, I think today's accounting graduates have to really understand the why of accounting and not just the how. Mm. So I think this means that they need to be educated in fields that are integrally related with ours, and that is things like business, how businesses are run, what they're trying to achieve, economics, finance, and data analytics, frankly, because we mm. how, you know, how are we going to gather up all this information, not just learning the nuances of the accounting rules. And I, I think there is a lot of that in the in the undergraduate curriculum, but I think at least in the U.S. and some other places, there's a, in my view, a little bit too much emphasis on memorizing the rules, mm -hmm. because unfortunately those change all the time. Yeah. 
So if they have a bigger bigger picture, they would be able to understand those changes, but also think ahead as to how the environment is changing and how accounting could evolve to help provide the, the, the mm. needs to users of that information. Mm. Mm. And perhaps finally, given your incredibly distinguished academic career, what advice would you be offering a, a young accounting academic, wet behind the ears, <laughs> just starting off in their career? Uh, well, I'll tell you, this is a very exciting time to be entering ac- accounting academia as far as I can tell. There are so many questions that need to be addressed and the world, the real world as we like to call it from academia, needs academic help as more than ever, I think even as fundamentally as the very nature of financial reports and other reports to address these challenges, the challenges in, that I've talked about. Accountants are the providers of information that support informed decision-making in many, many respects, whether it's outside the firm, inside the firm, it doesn't matter. That's our job. Determining what information is important for that and how it best to convey that information has ne- have never been more important. I'm sorry, I'm gonna, someday I'm going to have to retire and miss, and miss this, but I, it's a very exciting time for new people. There's just no end to the questions they can deal with. This is a good thing, right? Because um, sometimes you can hear people you know, talk about young people or any new people to the industry and entering academia, and some would say, oh, I'm not sure I'd advise that. Um, but based on what you're saying, it's a great time to be an academic with so many challenges that exist and so many ways in which we can contribute. Yeah, I think sometimes you can think of these challenges as nobody cares about accounting anymore, it's not important in this world, but I would flip it around and say, we have to step up to the plate and figure out how to make it important because the world needs us. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, maybe on that positive note, it's such a great time to draw this to a conclusion. It's been an absolute pleasure, Mary, and we really thank you for joining us uh, here at TAPS, um, and we wish you well. Thank you very much. A pleasure to be here.